Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monorail Radio, episode number 178. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are coming to you from the new home base of Monorail Radio. It feels so good to say that. First show from Florida. It feels so good to finally be back recording. Yeah. Because we've never really taken a break. Anytime we've been on vacation or if we knew we had a busy week or something, we would always double down the week prior, get two episodes out to make sure that we were covered. Not that we did that often. We were pretty consistent getting out an episode a week up until this move. But just as prepared as we were for the move, as on top of everything as we thought that we were, we were just so out of time. So it feels good to be sitting and finally recording an episode. Yeah, this was a major endeavor. And so we decided that the first show in the new studio would be very festive. And we decided to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, we would discuss 2001's The Luck of the Irish. It's a decom. Had you ever seen this movie before? No. But this is the movie that is responsible for me thinking that Darby O'Gill and the Little People was a decom. Yeah, I've never seen this. This is one of those films that, like, you know it, right? You've heard of it a hundred times. You've seen the poster and the graphic a hundred times. But I never actually took the time to sit and watch it. Because 2001, I mean, for me at least, I was 15 years old. You're kind of past the Disney the decom bubble at that point. But you are Irish, so I feel like that would have outweighed your age and you just would have, you know, sat down to check it out and see what the hype was about. Well, I guess the big question that we're going to ask or that I'm going to ask is, did I waste my time? Have I wasted the last 21 years sleeping on Luck of the Irish? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms, ornaments, and personalized photo nightlights. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Visit Hidden Mickey Supply Co. on Instagram and Etsy to stay up to date with all of the new releases. 15-year-old Kyle Johnson is the best basketball player and luckiest kid in his school. With Heritage Day coming up at school, Kyle starts asking his parents about their background, but they hesitate to tell him about it. He and his best friend Russell attend the Luck of the Irish Festival after they realize that the artwork on the advertisement resembles that of his lucky coin that his mother gave him and that he wears around his neck every day. While there, the boys are approached by a mysterious old man before Seamus McTierney performs. He is an Irish step dancer. The next day, Kyle notices that he has shrunk and that his mother is speaking with a thick Irish brogue and cooking traditional Irish fare. By the next day, his mother has completely shrunk and reveals that she is a leprechaun. They realize that Kyle's coin was stolen and switched with a fake at the festival, and this is what has caused he and his mom to shrink, although he is not quite as small as she is. He has also lost all of his luck and all of his skills playing basketball. It turns out that the mysterious old man was actually Kyle's grandfather, Riley O'Reilly, because of course he's named Riley O'Reilly. They accuse him of stealing the coin, but it turns out that it was in fact Seamus and his goons, as all they want is to collect gold so Seamus can become, as he called it, King of the Little People. We also learn that Seamus loves to gamble. So Kyle bets him that he can beat him in sports, and if he does, he will get his coin back well. It turns out that Seamus has him play traditional Irish Irish sports, and when Kyle loses, he doubles down and challenges him to a game of basketball. Well, it just so happens to be that Seamus and his goons play the school that Kyle belongs to in their state championship game, and if they win, Kyle gets his coin back, his grandfather gets released because he has since been captured by Seamus. His grandfather grants a lucky coin to Russell. They end up beating the goons. The curse is reversed 
And then Kyle performs a traditional Irish step dance at Heritage Day. And then they all sing, because this land is your land, and this land is my land. All right, this is the movie that we're starting off in Florida. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lot of feelings. I was going to save that part for my final review about how I feel with this being our our first one. Uh, Not at all what I thought it was going to be. No, not even close. Just based on what little I knew about this film, I thought that Kyle was going to meet a leprechaun, which he does, but I was not expecting that leprechaun to be his mother, and I certainly wasn't (laughs) expecting him to start to turn into one. Yeah, you know, okay, so let's let's start off here at the very beginning. And I want to get this out of the way early. I think the premise of this film is a lot of fun. I like the setup. I like the theming. I kind of like the general idea. And I, I like where they tried to go with it. Family curse, right on. Right? I think that the Lucky Coin plant early, it was heavy-handed, but I think that it worked. Every time they were, oh, you're so lucky. Make sure you're wearing your lucky coin. You're so lucky. You're so lucky. But I kind of, like the first time we saw the film, because like so many other films, we do watch them a couple of times. The first time we watched the movie, it bothered me a lot. Upon the second viewing, I actually appreciated it a lot more. Right, because the next time that his necklace comes back into play is when he learns that there is this Irish festival and... You do, as the audience, need to see what his necklace looks like so you can identify the symbol. So as heavy-handed as it is, I'll give that one a pass. Before we get there, we're getting way ahead. I want to discuss this painfully generic opening sequence of (laughs) mom and dad cooking breakfast and Kyle eating before he goes to school. Just everything about it. Dad, you ready for the big game? The big game, we don't even know what sport he plays yet. Which is funny because he is a basketball player and that is such a big part of who this character is. I'm surprised they didn't reveal that information earlier on because, you know, he's not just a tropey character that plays a sport. Like that kind of happens with background characters a lot. The big game is just such a generic thing used in bad writing. So why wouldn't you say basketball? Yeah, so I'm glad that you bring it up now because, again, I'm kind of burying the lead here. But I I just want to get it out of the way now so that I don't repeat myself over and over again over the course of this episode. The biggest problem with this movie is the very 101 vanilla bland screenwriting. Ugh. And it's this is not like a product of its time either, because you can sit there and say, well, it was 2001. It carried a lot of the 90s tropes, which is very much true. But it's the, you know, the like you said, the blanket statements, the big game, the borderline like dumb dad. You know what I'm saying? Like and the mom have granola and a fruit bar. I mean, I know you're not going to say brand names. Right. But just such blanket statements it's like what a parent say they say this okay let's do it i mean even even down to the grandfather's name and again okay so we're jumping ahead here but i don't really care right riley o'reilly because irish mcirish was just too (laughs) on the nose this would be like if they took the characters in luca and named them like Mozzarella, Spaghetti. like mozzarella brajol. Yes. That's our villain is mozzarella brajol <laughs> on his Vespa. I actually kind of like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like, where did this come from? No, this writing is terrible, even by DCOM standards. Oh, yeah. Which I think is actually unfair to DCOMs because we watched that other one, which we thought was going to be way too young for us teen spirit oh i loved it and we were actually very impressed specifically with the dialogue because it had some good jabs and and some really funny lines that actually made us belly laugh which we were not expecting this is just so bad and you and i have talked about it on the show before that those 
quote unquote 90s parents, even though this was not the 90s, this was 2001. It kind of was a trope of the parents just don't understand. So they were always background characters. These parents are a huge part of this film. You need to start developing them now. Yeah, and they just don't. It's it, That's the thing, right? The setup is that they're just the same mom and dad that you've seen over and over and over again. Now, this is okay if you're eventually going to flip it on its head, which is where you think it's going to go. But other than mom becoming a leprechaun and, I mean, kind of being a big plot device because that's the entire film... Other than her, like, doing an Irish jig and dancing with a brogue, like, dad is the same at the end. Mom just becomes super Irish. You know what I'm saying? Like, to your point, they are such an integral part of it. And they're almost as bland in the end as they were in the beginning. Well, it's not just that mom is a plot device. She is sort of a plot device for Kyle. But she has the subplot, which is the relationship with her father. So she needs to be way more fleshed out. My exact note here as I'm looking in my book was the parents seem so alien. Yes. They just don't seem like of this universe. No, you're right. And it's the way that they frame the shots that also make you believe it other than this very stale. Di- and that, But that's the thing, though. I don't think stale dialogue was done intentionally. I think it's just bad. The framing is intentional because they will shoot the parents low to a point where this is when I started comparing this film to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Not at all where I thought I was going to be, you know, drawing comparisons. Right. But that is usually how they drew your attention to the characters that you weren't supposed to trust. Yes. And it just actually... I mean, I'll I'll just say it now that I don't want to spoil too much of my review, but this entire film feels like a failed episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that is stretched out far too long. If you compress this into 25 minutes and made it scarier, it would be awesome. It's almost like Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's like if Are You Afraid of the Dark made a made like a full length film and this is what they tried to do with it. Because you're right, it's the angles, it's the colors, it's the the score and the music. Like, there are times where the Irish music here sounds like the Irish music that you get, like, in the Leprechaun films. But, like, those are intentionally cheesy and dumb. But they work for what they are. You're right, this completely has. And, and it's got a bunch of, like, mysterious characters that you don't know if you can trust. It totally does feel like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? But let's go back to really delving into what's happening in this film, because we're going to make these comparisons throughout the entire episode. I'm sure that there are specific lines that we're going to hone in on, and there is just such a rabbit hole we can go down. So let's go back to the big game. Because this is like one of the first big scenes in the film. Because you do get the scene where he's eating breakfast with his parents, as you pointed out before, with the very vanilla bland line. See, there I go already. But the thing with the basketball scene that makes a lot of sense is that you're seeing exactly who this character is. You're, you're, You're getting a feel for exactly who Kyle is. And that he is the super jock. He's a very popular kid in school. And you can see that the shot that he makes when they win the game, like nobody makes that shot. Steph Curry doesn't make that shot. So you can tell like he is just very lucky. And I think that it does a good job fleshing him out. I think it does a good job of introducing him to us. But it does a good job of kind of instilling a a mystery. Something something about this we don't trust from the start. I actually think that the the scene works really well for just a like a middle school basketball scene. Oh goodness, I don't think I have ever disagreed with you more not just on Monoreal Radio but in the entire history of our relationship. I don't think this develops our main character at all. The issue is that you kind of pigeonhole him into the jock trope. I'm not going to call him a dumb jock because he's not. Right. But you didn't give him anything more than that. He's lucky. Everybody keeps telling him, you know, you made the perfect shot. You never miss. Da-da-da-da-da. On and on. But we don't see him practicing for it. 
we don't see that he's working hard for it. So we don't know. That's where you could have layered the character a little bit, given him a work ethic. Um, as far as him not knowing about his heritage, that sort of almost paints him into the dumb jock corner because it's showing that he's not academic. You needed to give him something more. And I was thinking about it and I didn't realize how funny it was that I drew this comparison. I was thinking that they actually successfully did this with Troy in High School Musical because, yes, he was the basketball star, but he wanted more than that. Right. And that's how you develop the character. What I didn't realize when I made that comparison is that they are actually shooting this at East High. This was High School Musical before High School Musical was a thing, just like two years shy of it. And I guess because they shot over the summer in Utah at the school, they realized it could work and they have an easy film set. But technically, Kyle is a wildcat. He better get in the game. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, you don't have to see him practicing because the fact of the matter is he isn't that good. He's lucky. That's the thing. The coin is what is doing this for him. And that's what I'm saying. You have to give him more of a personality than that. He doesn't know who he is. He knows his dad is from Cleveland. So what else? What else is there besides basketball? If you are going to hang your hat on this character, we need more than just basketball. I mean, here my only real gripe with the scene is the continuity is horrible because none of the game clocks are in sync. Anytime Ugh. you see a shot, first off, the space-time continuum doesn't exist <laughs> in this film because the three seconds lasts for like three minutes. It's it's something to behold. But in every single shot, you'll see it'll be they'll like intentionally zoom into three seconds on the clock because he's got to hit the winning shot. And then as he makes his move to go t for the net the clock behind him says eight seconds and then they they flash to a to a clock that's counted down to like two seconds and then as he's making another move now there's four seconds this happens in every basketball scene mind you and that's what bothers me the most about this scene i mean i know you disagree with me but it's the only thing i don't like about this scene i mean for crying out loud the absent-minded professor cut a basketball game better and they were bouncing around with flubber on their shoes sure did it's a sports scene. It's supposed to be action-packed. It's supposed to be fast-paced. You're supposed to create tension. I mean... Manipulating the clock is not going to do that. No, not in the very least. And you thought we were, like, not going to notice that the times are all over the place? It's terrible. Like, how do you let that go? I don't know, Cheap Decom. I don't know. To your point... Um, about him not knowing anything about his heritage and having it be Heritage Day that has him, you know, it's piqued his interest. That's something that I couldn't figure out from his perspective. I kind of understand it from his parents' perspective as they're trying to hide the fact that she's a leprechaun. That'll make sense. Um, I think some of the reasons that they gave him we'll discuss in a few moments as to uh, that I that I couldn't get on get, couldn't get on board with, but. Like, how how do you not ask? How do you never ask what your heritage is? Right. Like, you're in high school? No, he's in junior high. Which is confusing because then they're talking about college scholarships. Right. But regardless, it didn't dawn on you before you're between the ages of, of you know, what, 12 and 15, depending on where you went to school. If right. It, whether it's some people did sixth to eighth grade, some did sixth to ninth, whatever it whatever is. Whatever it is. It, and that's what I'm talking about developing this character. He doesn't even want to learn for himself because he never has before. He's only doing it because Heritage Day is coming up and Bonnie's getting on his case. Th there is no motivation for this character to do anything yes and over, that's a problem overachieving bonnie who's not even like a friend of his it's just overachieving bonnie who seems to care an awful lot about him and that's another thing their relationship never gets fleshed out why does she care about him specifically why does she care so much about him and and whether or not he's invested in heritage day i know that we later find out that she wants to play basketball and her parents want her, you know, scholastically involved, not athletically 
involved and you know she keeps telling him how lucky he is so maybe she holds a little bit of a grudge but it, like it's just so odd that of all of the people like she just seems to care too much about why he's not involved in his heritage day right I think they could have leaned into that a little bit harder that she was envious of him playing basketball because that's all that she wanted to do um but yeah you could have given them a little bit more of a backstory like maybe they were best friends in elementary school and they grew apart because he got into sports and she was you know heavily into academics or whatever her parents wanted like maybe he thinks he's too cool for her there needed to be something more than it it seems like she just struck up this conversation then got on his case about not knowing where he came from right then he goes home and he grabs his father's high school yearbook because of course he does And he notices that his father's not in the yearbook. But as he flips through the pages, he finds his father's picture above, dun-dun-dun, a different last name. (laughs) He changed his name from Smith to Johnson. That's like changing your first name from John to Mike. You know what I'm saying? Like... It's just not, you know, it's and in the movie even calls itself out on it. It's not like he had some big exotic name that he was trying to change, you know, because they make such a big deal about we're American, we're American. It's not like he tried to Americanize some, you know, kind of off the wall name. This it just doesn't make sense why he would change his last name from Smith to Johnson. No, and that's it. Aside from the film being terribly whitewashed, that's where you could have made it so much more interesting because maybe he was ashamed of his heritage. And, you know, it leans into more than just his father-in-law doesn't like that he's not Irish because we don't know that he's not Irish. We just know he's not a leprechaun. (laughs) So you needed more of a distinction than that. If he was Italian or Greek or something, give us more of a reason for him to try and hide this. Yeah, but, but we're making stir fry. So don't be late. Um, I got it from healthy cooking magazine. Yeah, of course you did. Oh, it's painful. It is so painful. And I'm going to go mop the floors based on the tips I got from cleanhouse.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, they... Wait, wait. Was No, uh, the internet was a thing. 2001, yeah, it was a thing. It, no, because he does start looking looking things up online, but I just wanted it. You just reminded me. I need to call attention to the, the not even a MacBook what were those Macs called? I don't even remember. Those rainbow-colored ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they plastic were ones. They huge. Mm-hmm. My middle school had them. Everybody had them. Yeah, I don't remember I don't remember what model they were, but I remember they were a big thing for like a year, maybe two. And then you were stuck with them. Right. Um, it's just hard to imagine a Mac ever being that bulky. Yeah. It's a Mac. Well, I mean, think about a tube television. You know what I mean? Like kids these days, as I sound like an old man, you got you kids would never understand what some of the things that we had looked like. A VHS tape, they wouldn't even know where to start. I don't know. see the tube TVs don't bother me, and maybe that's just because we're actually in the middle of watching Pam and Tommy. Uh, yeah, not recommended for listeners with children and our younger audience. Uh, otherwise. It's great, but seeing the tube TV and the VHSs, or the Hi8 in that case, that doesn't weird me out at all. No, because we remember when that was a thing. We remember when that specific event happened. Right. We all had those televisions. We all had those VCRs. You know, we remember the day where you didn't have the internet at home. But that was 1995. This is 2001. (laughs) So it's like, by now, it's a thing. But yeah, the, the the apples now, my God, it, it's it, it in comparison, it's insane. All right, let's we got to get this car back on the road here. Well, you know what else doesn't age? Russell's Dennis Rodman joke. Oh my God, no that that Dennis Rodman will live on forever. That <laughs> joke, anything related to Dennis Rodman will live on forever. Well, I feel like we should explain it. When Kyle starts to change, I am jumping ahead quite a bit. Uh, his hair starts turning 
bright red, or, red bright orange. Because of course it does. And his best friend Russell calls it out and says, gee, my dad would never let me do that. He has issues with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and I went, good Lord. You know, Russell is full of great lines like, when they see the advertisement for the Irish step dancing. Oh, my God. And he goes, I think this guy is Irish. <laughs> I, again, like how this didn't win an Emmy, I have no idea. I will say this. I do like the Irish festival scene. I love the step dancing. I've always had an appreciation for step dancing. And it's actually quite good. It's very good. Yeah. I used to tap dance and... It's hard. It was always something that I respected because step dancing is even harder because you can't move your whole body. It's just your legs. Uh, so that was something I was actually really impressed with. I would say that this is probably the best scene in the whole film. Yeah, I think the book, everything everything you wanted to know about being Irish but are afraid to ask. I actually thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was so bogus. Oh, I because here's the thing. At that point... I'm not sure if the movie is trying to be satirical or not. That's the thing. But but here's the problem. If you had that kind of humor spread throughout the entire film and you questioned whether or not it was a satire, I'd be sitting here like country bears. If it's trying to be taken seriously, it's horrific. If it's trying to be a satire, it's phenomenal. But that's like one of the few times other than, you know, Riley O'Reilly... I mean, like, really being heavy-handed with the Irish. Um, that's, like, the only time that it kind of leans into that humor. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of led to believe that the movie's trying to take itself seriously, in which case it, I laugh at it for how bad it is. I would buy into it more if they were trying to do, like, a Wizard of Oz type of thing where Dorothy's life is black and white until she steps into the technicolored Oz. Yeah. So if everything about Kyle's life was bland, like his parents speaking to him, like his life at school, if he didn't have much going on and then everything else, once he starts to learn about his heritage and put the pieces together, started popping, I would buy it. But then you need a better name for this book if that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I like the grandfather plant And I like the fake out because, you know, this mysterious old man to take from Are You Afraid of the Dark? You get this mysterious guy. He just disappears. He's gone. You don't see him. You're left with a lot of questions. I was led to believe, and I'm curious to see how you felt about it. Upon first viewing, I was led to believe that he eventually is the one that stole the coin, at least in the very beginning. Oh, for sure. I thought he did the first time around. I thought they did a really good job with the fake out here. Yeah, because even on the second time, I thought maybe I wasn't paying good enough attention. But no, they really do lean into it. So I'll, I'll give it that. That's something that they did well. Yeah, that worked. More continuity issues with the Irish step dancing, the confetti. They fire off all of the confetti. And I'm looking at this going, Irish step dancers are never going to dance on that confetti. And then in the next shot, the confetti's gone. And then in the next shot, there's confetti all over the stage again. The continuity in this movie is as bad as the screenwriting. Agreed. Um, Can we talk about now how his mom starts explaining to him in her very thick brogue, and now she's got her red curly hair, and she's making bangers and mash and everything Irish, Can we just discuss for a moment the rationale that she gave behind hiding the truth of their heritage? How she said, I didn't want you to live the life that the Irish used to live when no (laughs) Irish need apply. And I'm watching this going, what in the hell year does she think it is? And then the movie calls itself out on it. It's pretty terrible. I mean, I guess she can't come out and say, well, I hid it from you because I'm a leprechaun, but that's the best thing you could come up with. Yeah, like I didn't want you to get made fun of in school because we're different. You just dated yourself 
hundreds of years. <laughs> and I, I think that's what they were going for because I think they were alluding to that leprechauns are supposed to live forever because doesn't the grandfather say something that he's like 300 years old at some point? He says, if I was 200 years older, I could have done whatever remedial task they were asking him to do later on in the film. Right, but I kind of got the impression that they were... They're not saying that the leprechauns never age because his grandfather does look like an old man. And the mom looks like she's in her maybe early 40s. Yeah, that's, I guess. that's accurate. So they are aging them, but I kind of got the impression that we were supposed to believe that they were immortal or something. Um, that I, th- It's a reach, but that is the only way I would be able to give a line like that a pass. Yeah, and, and I think, like you said, it's kind of a reach. Um, she sends him to school with Cole Cannon. I got to be honest with you, I would have been fine with that. Cole Cannon is delicious. It absolutely is, but... But she puts it in the, that horrific bucket. And and with the pig's feet. Oh my God, it's terrible. See, that's where I feel like this film could have maybe been more effective if they had sort of done it in reverse, where maybe he knows that he's Irish and... His mom is so proud of her heritage and her culture that she's sending him to school with all of these traditional meals and he's embarrassed by it because, you know, it doesn't look like the peanut butter and jelly that the rest of the school's eating or whatever. And Mm. I think that's kind of something that's relatable to kids. Yeah. If they don't have, you know, the same food as everyone else. I feel like that's something, and I don't know, maybe that was just my experience where people got picked on because they didn't bring Lunchables to school or whatever. Um, But I feel like that would have been more of a jumping off point between Heritage Day and Kyle wanting to know more about where this food is coming from and why his mom is forcing it upon him for him to start delving deeper into where his family comes from. I think that would have worked. I think that for the target demographic, it certainly would have been very relatable. Um, And I think it would have given a little bit more levity to why the parents were hiding the truth about what his mom really was. Like if they were kind of being like, you know, facetious about everything like okay yeah we're Irish but we don't tell you anything about it yeah I I think that it certainly would have I mean it would have worked better than what we have I certainly think it would have worked better than well I want you completely Americanized so that you don't have to deal with no Irish need apply in 2001 (laughs) no and it certainly would have made the parents seem less alien yes I mean you clearly know that they're hiding something but it wouldn't have made them seem so strange. Now what really bothers me is that once this is exposed, things start to happen way too fast. The mom starts, okay, little by little dressing differently, but then like by the next day, she's a few inches tall. And then with Kyle, he is on a slippery slope downward. He starts shrinking his hair starts turning colors and then the brogue doesn't start trickling in and out. It's like one or two words and then the brogue is at a hundred percent. It's not subtle at all. And what kills me about it is that the more Irish he gets, they also age him like 50 years because then he goes, Oh, saints preserve us. I, I, I gotta be honest with you, I really liked it. I thought it was hysterical. I do too, but it's so jarring because he goes from nothing to, I was like, the more Irish you get, the more you turn into an old man. It's hysterical. It was, and the mom, the more Irish she gets, the funnier that she gets too, the feistiness. I actually think that the actress, and we'll talk about the cast in a few minutes here, I I thought she actually did a fantastic job. Yeah, I like when she picks up the keys and uh, she decides to go seek out her father. Once they they realize, by the way, that he is in fact in town and has opened up a potato chip company, not but 10 minutes from their home. Yeah, Emerald Isle potato chips. 
As bad as that is, her reaction is pretty awesome when she decides to pick up and leave. It is. And I like how they had the unlucky day angle with Kyle um, because we need to be given a reason as to why he is starting to shrink and why his luck is starting to run out. And I like the whole thing with the science class and the magnet and the magnet draws in the necklace and so that's how they know that it's not pure gold and that's what tips them off in regards to the necklace having been stolen. I actually thought that was a very smart setup. I agree. It it felt natural and it was a good aha moment for him. For for as forced as everything else about this is or you know to your point the uh, no Irish need apply coming completely out of left field, that actually felt like an organic thing to happen. Yeah. And then it spoiled immediately when the father scolds him and goes, the fairgrounds, I told you, don't ever go there. When? We never heard you say that. You can't put such a huge rule on your main character if we haven't seen it play out. Right. It's not an elephant graveyard. No. Like, are we missing something? And I when we watched it again, I, I, I'm waiting. Like, did I miss it? No, they just, they never bring it up. And when he's, it, it's, it wasn't even, they didn't even say like, you can't go to the fair. You can't go to the festival. It was don't go to the fairgrounds. Like there's something specifically at the fairgrounds. You're never to go there without our permission. Right. And they're like, he's so, the father is like so stern about it. It just seems like, that kind of that kind of reaction makes me feel like that's a major plot point. Perhaps that should have been fleshed out a little bit, and it just never was. And it would have actually developed Kyle a little bit more, defying his parents. Yeah. Can we also draw attention to the fact that we see Kyle's ears pointy for like 10 minutes before the movie calls it out? That should have been the first subtle thing that happened where he realized there was a change. He doesn't realize it until his height is affected. And see, this is where it's like, you have to give me something more about this character because he almost becomes unlikable for me at this point. He doesn't think that shrinking is weird. What he's getting upset at is that he no longer stands out next to his best friend. He's like, I'm the same height as you. I'm tall. I'm, but I'm taller than you. I'm always taller than you. Well, it's it's an it's an allergy. It was an allergy. It was an allergic reaction to something. Instead of Russell having a growth spurt, you're having an allergy. But that's what I'm saying. It's not a natural reaction, and it, he's not weirded out by it. It's more based in his ego, and that's what I have a problem with. Where you have not given him a personality outside being a jock. And to your point, you know, it's his, it's his luck that's fading too. I don't care. I don't feel yeah. bad for you. You have given me no reason to care about your luck running out because there is nothing else about you. He's a funny character. See, this is the weird thing. He's a funny character. I, I don't dislike him. But I'm also not all that fond of him either. And we are at this point like almost three quarters of the way into the movie. And that's a problem. Right. Other than the grandfather and Russell. Actually, I do like Russell a lot. I And the mom. I don't really care for most of these characters. And I think that that's a major problem when you're this far into the film. It's not just Kyle. It's most of them. Right, because you're not rooting for him to get this coin back, to figure out his family's secret, nothing. Right. So they, when, when he tells them that he was at the fair, he tells them the, the old man approached me. They find out it's his grandfather, which they were hiding from him the whole time. And like you said, 10 minutes from their house, he's got this major potato chip factory and they go there, um, and then it's like from that point moving forward, the movie like goes into fast forward, right? Bonnie's there because there's a field trip there. Bonnie, who really served almost no purpose in this entire film, is just happens to be there because she's on a field trip. And then because they have done such a 
bad job or or just completely ignored developing Kyle, you almost pass Bonnie the baton as the lead to carry you through this scene. Right. Or almost carry you through the the last third of the movie, which is really bad. Not yeah. not Bonnie, but the fact that you couldn't even do enough with your main character to make him hold the weight of the film. Right. Because then the, the focus shifts, you're right, to Bonnie and to the grandfather and to Seamus. And, but it's just like, what makes no sense is they're like, it was Seamus. Seamus stole it, stole the coin. It wasn't me. It was Seamus. You're right. It was Seamus. Like, it was just like, there's no investigating. There's no discussion. There's no tip. They, he, the grandfather just goes, it wasn't me. It was Seamus. And they all just, yeah, that makes sense. Let's go get him. Yeah, Granda, who has been MIA for my entire life, I'm going to trust you that there's actually a bigger bad. Sure. Yeah, and Granda has not been in his life because apparently, this is, I'm not making this up. This is, this is what the film said. Leprechauns don't like mixed marriages. And they don't like the fact that Kate married somebody that wasn't a leprechaun. So they kind of cast her out, except not really, because Riley O'Reilly opens up a potato chip factory right by the house so that he can still, like, keep an eye on them. So it's like you cast him out, but only, like, halfway. It would have been much more interesting if his grandfather was the one who sent him the coin and that's maybe that that would have been another good jumping off point where he gets this mysterious coin, then starts digging up the family history because maybe the grandfather doesn't approve of who she married, but he wants to acknowledge that he does have a grandson. Right. That this this luck, this family luck or potential family curse is going to carry down a generation and maybe he wants to start a relationship with his grandson. I think it also would have been more interesting if you had introduced Seamus earlier, especially because he likes to gamble. I think you could have had a lot more fun with that, uh, you know, and, and maybe Kyle could have dug the hole a little bit deeper at some points because he would fall for Seamus's tricks. Right. Oh, and by the way, just in case we weren't on brand enough and we really needed to hammer home that the film Luck of the Irish is about the Irish, when Seamus gets hungry, they have to go to a diner because they are fresh out of corned beef and cabbage. Because, of course, it's corned beef and cabbage. Haru. This movie doesn't even take place on St. Patrick's Day, but corned beef and cabbage because corned beef and cabbage. Right, and then you get that bar scene. I mean, I think the bar scene is kind of fun. Yeah. But nobody else is in that bar except for Seamus and his gang. So you would kind of think they are celebrating St. Patrick's Day, but they're not. Yeah, and like you said, now he, we're jumping, but are we really? Seamus tracks them down, and they find out that Seamus has been stealing coins from everyone and I guess that's why they never come out and say it we kind of just assume it as the audience that that's why the luck of the Irish festival showed up in their town because he wants the Riley power he wants the Riley coin he wants the Riley magic so that he can be the king of the little people as he called him um I mean did we need that like explained to us probably not but I feel like most pe- the target the kids the target demographic are not going to like figure out that that's why he's there, right? He's kind of just the big bad that appears because you needed him to. And again, much more interesting story if they had shown, you know, I, I guess this is the one point where they do develop Kyle's character a little bit. He just wants his coin back, and his grandpa wants the entire pot. Right. And Kyle's like, no, that's not what we came for. Just leave it. So he actually does, you know, stand his ground in some way and give us some kind of clue as to who he is and what his beliefs are. But that could have been an interesting 
journey for him to go on to is that he's returning these coins to where they came from. And Seamus is chasing him down. Right. But we didn't get that either. So it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Seamus captures Riley O'Reilly. And then they capture Russell. Who has the most shrill scream that I think we may have ever heard in a Disney film? I was wrong before when I said the step dancing was probably my favorite scene. It's this. And I I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to cause this chaos where Seamus comes for the grandpa and his boys have Russell. So you're kind of in and out of the trailer. You're trying to make it feel frenetic. And, and they do. The pacing is okay, but everything is just ruined because this poor kid's voice breaks as he's screaming for Kyle. And it, the, the pitch is as high as you can possibly go. And it's hysterical, and it takes you right out of what is supposed to be an action-packed part of the it, film. It's unintentionally very funny, and for all of the wrong reasons. Um, and then we get this challenge where... Russell and Kyle are playing sports. And this is the other thing. You know, like, we've only ever seen Kyle play basketball. So when he bets with Seamus, he just says, I bet I can beat you at sports. Well, we haven't seen you in this film be the all-around jock. We've seen you play one sport. Why would you just gamble sports? Because that is his whole personality. And that I will give credit where credit is due to the screenwriting because it's that that's the whole way that Seamus gets away with it. It's a play on words. Well, you didn't specify which sport you wanted to play. If Kyle had specified basketball, yes, you know, he's going to beat him. But he's so overly confident. He's like, I can I can beat you at sports. And because the rules were never defined Seamus picks sports that are totally out of his depth. Hurling being one of them. And that being the one that Kyle performed the best at. Go figure. My mother-in-law, God love her, has ruined hurling for me. Because every time I hear that, I think of the Dinosaurs Hurling Day episode. Yes. Which no one is probably going to know what we're talking about, but... For those that do, you were raised right. For those that don't, go check out Dinosaur. It's on Disney Plus. It is now, yeah. And uh, the hurling, I think it's like episode three or three four. Or four. It's, it's pretty early season. on. It's it's hysterical. It, you, you don't know how this got away with being on television, let alone on ABC for Disney. Over the cliff and into the pit. <laughs> it's, yeah, you gotta just. It's hurling day, hurling day. I, I'll put it to you this way. I would watch that episode of Dinosaur or Dinosaurs on St. Patrick's Day probably before I would watch <laughs> Luck of the Irish, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, I want to move on and talk about the end of the film, starting with this basketball game. The double down bet, the state championship, where to the to the people attending the basketball game, it looks like a junior high school is playing a junior high school. But from our vantage point, a junior high school is playing a a group of adult men, and that's kind of trippy within itself. Um, And and this is where if Kyle's team wins, then Riley O'Reilly gets released and uh, Seamus is going to go to the shores of Erie. Um, Here's the thing. I like the fact that Russell gets his moment in the sun. I'm glad that Russell is able to show off his basketball skills and that it's not just luck that wins. I like the fact that Riley puts the idea in his head because he gives Russell a, a, a gold coin, a lucky coin that has absolutely no luck. It's just he puts the idea in his head. It's placebo. I like that for Russell. But the problem is this is another instance where the film can't hang its hat on its main character. You're absolutely right. Russell probably has the biggest character arc, even more so than Kyle and Bonnie. Yeah, for sure. 
But I guess, well, there is sort of an arc for Kyle here, even though he doesn't have the game-winning goal, and it's that he figured out how to beat Seamus at his own game. Game meaning the bet, not basketball. Basketball is what he should have done the first time, but he and the terms were it was actually very specific it wasn't just sports it was that Kyle had to beat him and they tied and that wasn't good enough because he didn't best him so then Kyle doubles down and makes the all or nothing bet and picks basketball because he knows that's his forte uh so he learned that he's got to be more careful with his words on the technicality and then he's the one who's playing on words when he says, if, if I win, you have to live at the shores of my father, which is Cleveland. And they, they do kind of lean into using the brogue against him. Yeah. Um, so that, that was all well done. Yes. Except for, yes, you're right. Not hanging your hat on the main character, the terrible CGI as things go back to normal. And then, by the end of it, when Seamus is transforming, this movie starts to look like Space Jam. Yeah, it totally does. It totally looks like Space Jam. Now the game is over. And everybody is set back to normal. And Bonnie has reappeared. Because Bonnie, who kind of became our main character for a little while and then disappeared, is now back. You know who else appears? Her father, who's been at the basketball game the entire time, even though, A, Bonnie doesn't play basketball because he doesn't approve. And we, we've never even seen this guy before, but there he is at the basketball game. Naturally. But I do, it is kind of worth it, as random as it seems, for the moment where Granda bails her out because her father demands to know why she hasn't been studying slash academia-ing the entire day and Granda says, well, she was interviewing for a scholarship at my potato factory, potato chip factory. Um, so it is, it is a sweet moment that he covers for her. Right. And then says that she's the front run, uh, front runner, but she needs more extracurricular activities. So dad is like, yes, she will play basketball. You will play basketball next year so that you can get the scholarship, the college scholarship junior high school child like i this movie would have worked so much better if they were 16 years old yeah i would agree with that but you're right it's not just that he bails her out by covering where she was that day he also gets her what she wants right because that's been her dream and now it finally comes out that you know that's why she's been jealous of kyle all right let's talk about the cast here oh no no oh wait there's more Oh, yes, there is. That's where it should have ended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. We go back for Heritage Day. I forgot about that. How did I forget about it? I oh, mean, because I wanted to. <laughs> they have said Heritage Day so many times, yet kind of had to see what all the fuss was about. I think, and again, this was sort of an arc for Kyle that he did, in fact, embrace his culture where he does the step dancing as the performance. Uh, his parents are there along with his grandfather. So we see that his mom has repaired her relationship with him. Okay, great. We're tying up all the loose ends. It just should have stopped there. They tried to do a wonderful thing by making everyone join in song and singing This Land Is Your Land. I will even give it a pass that they incorporated that because Kyle learned something. But Kyle learned to embrace his culture, not all cultures. This kid wasn't a racist, so I don't understand why all of a sudden there's this big moment where he he, he needs everyone to come together. I mean, that's the point of Heritage Day, but he never connected those dots. He never did anything to do that. And the other thing, not that I necessarily care, I mean, you it's perfectly acceptable to be proud of being an American. 
But the whole point of Heritage Day was to embrace your heritage and your background, and they kept making it about being American. Right. It was like it was so strange. The the whole thing was so strange. No, and it they they sort of defeat the nice thing that they tried to do As, aside from that that it's just such a cheesy moment it takes away from it being a good thing but this land was made for you and me can we now talk about the cast yes okay ryan merriman plays kyle i mean look with the exception of um, with the exception of maybe two or three characters in this film, this is just going to be what I say about basically every character in this film. I don't think they did a bad job. I think they did what they were asked to do with a lousy script and bad direction. I agree. Um, okay, so that's that's Ryan Merriman. Uh, who was also in Smart House, so clearly... Disney likes him. Yeah. But I feel like, and again, it's probably more the fault of the film than it is him. I think he was better in Smart House. Oh, he was much better in Smart House. He had a lot of heart in Smart House. Um, Henry Gibson plays Riley O'Reilly, and I really like this character. I thought that Henry Gibson did a good job. I said it before, I like the mystery behind him at the start i like how wonderful and endearing he becomes at the end he's one of the best characters in the film yeah i would agree with that i like the character leprechaun aside i find him believable at least as a grandfather the only wish the the only thing that i wish they would have done story-wise was utilize this character a little bit more to push it forward and have him plant the seeds with his grandson Marita Garrity plays Kate O'Reilly slash Kate Johnson slash Kate Smith. Um, <laughs> best actor slash actress in the film. Best character in the film, quite honestly. Um, I go back and forth between her and Grandpa as far as the best character, but I think she probably had the most conviction and the most motivation out of anyone. Timothy Amundsen plays Seamus McTierney. I thought for a big bad, he did a good job. I, I liked him in the role. I thought he did a good job with it. I like I like the character. I agree. Uh, I just would have brought him in earlier. For sure. Uh, Paul Kiernan plays Bob Johnson, a.k.a. Dad. You a.k.a. Just, Bob Smith. You could just call him Dad because he's just the Dad character. Horrible. Again, I don't think... He did a poor job. I think he did what he was asked to do under a bad script with poor direction. That's the thing, though. Out of everyone, he's probably the worst because there was nothing he could do with it. I know. He's very one-dimensional. And it's a shame because I think given the nature of, you know, why this curse is on them and given the nature of why they had to hide their heritage from their son. Let's call it what it is. He's the reason why they could have done so much more with it. It's such a hit and miss. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like make him like this Casanova that swept her off her feet. Give me a reason to believe that she threw her entire life away for you. Right. Bob Glendon Chapman plays Russell. I I like the character. I I thought he did a good job with it. I I like the relationship that he has with Kyle. I like his conviction. I think he I think he plays the best friend role actually quite well. I was going to say that he's a good sidekick, but they gave him enough legs to stand on on his own where he doesn't feel like he's a trope. He doesn't feel like he's a sounding board for Kyle. And only there for Kyle to bounce off of and and voice his feelings. Sure. He's his own person. He is. Alexis Lopez plays Bonnie Lopez. See previous. I'm, I'm not going to repeat it again. See previous. I like the actress, though. She was so charming. Like, I especially at the end, like that was the one thing I did like about them singing this land is your land. I was like, how did this girl not have an explosive 
singing career after this. Like, well, I mean, Miley was a different story. She had Hannah Montana. The whole thing was singing. Hillary Duff, same thing. But um, so many people got their start in these decoms. I think she's better than anyone that was in High School Musical. And you know what the funny thing about this film is? None of these actors really did anything after this film. Like, if you look at their IMDb, collectively, it all stops here. This was their swan song. Okay. Was it worth being the swan song? You you really have to think about this for a second. Well, not in the sense that you'd want it to be, right? You want to go out with a bang. Me, I'm thinking that I'd be so mortified for having been in this film. I'd be like, okay, peace. I'm done. Full disclosure, I am embarrassed that this is the first episode that we've done in this new studio. (laughs) That is how much I dislike this. Like this, this is what we christened the studio with, really? We were trying to uh, be festive. Yeah. Well, we tried and failed. I mean, it's it's festive enough, I guess, but uh, it's just so bad. I I can't think of a single thing to redeem this movie. The worst thing about it is probably the lack of, nay, not the lack, <laughs> just the complete disregard for character development. Even that could have made a bad plot stronger. But you have a weak story that at time gets confused with characters that I really couldn't care less about. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I think upon the second time around, the movie got better but I don't think it's going to get much better the third time around. I think that if trying to be festive and reviewing this movie taught me anything, it's that um, I should just watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People, and that's what I plan on doing tonight when we finish Pam and Tommy. Um, I mean, look, if you want to watch it because you're looking for a festive Disney film, I guess you can watch this. Um, It's not even related to St. Patrick's Day. Um, Neither is Darby O'Gill and the Little People, per se, but, I mean, it's far more festive than this. I would watch Celtic Pride. If you wanted to watch a basketball movie, I would watch Celtic Pride with Daniel Stern before I'd watch this. If we're going to watch an Irish movie that has nothing to do with St. Patrick's Day, I'm going Boondock Saints. Always. You know, I Norman re- Reedus at his finest. I really hoped and wanted to walk away from this film going, my God, I wasted the last 21 years. How did I not watch this every year? And I- I'm not upset that we watched it. I mean, that's kind of the purpose of the show, and that's why we love Disney Plus so much is you deep dive into some of these films. Sometimes you land on one that's great, like a teen spirit or don't look under the bed or a Halloween town. And sometimes you land on something like this or High School Musical 2 or Teen Beach 2. Um, And that's exactly what this one is. So if you're looking to be festive, go watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People. You know what's funny, though? Where we were missing out on this, everyone else made up for it because until High School Musical, this was the most watched decom. It had the record because they would air it all the time around St. Patrick's Day and people would just, apparently there was rewatchability. Well, we want to know what you have to say about it. Does the film have rewatchability? Did you grow up on it? Is it something you watch every year? Is it something you've never seen before? What are we missing? Yeah, please. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up, but first, a quick break. If you're thinking of taking a Disney trip this year, whether it's Walt Disney World in Florida, Disneyland in California, a Disney cruise, or Olani in Hawaii, Get in touch with me for a free quote. I would love to help you plan a trip for you and your family. Or even if you've already booked, reach out. I want to help get you the best deal possible. You can contact me on any of the Monoreal Radio social media outlets or shoot me an email at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at magicalvacationplanner.com. 
News this week is brought to you by Karma and Kismet Design. If you are looking for media kits, graphic design, if you are a Disney content creator, that is her specialty, although she can do just about anything. Believe me, we should know. Kelly has you covered. Plus, listeners of the show get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Be sure to see everything that she has to offer at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. That's Karma, the letter N, KismetDesigns.com. We have a new show dropping on Disney Plus that I know the both of us are excited about. I love when Disney Plus goes this route to kind of like, yes, you know, peel the curtain back a little bit and show us what we don't always see. And we are getting that with Sketchbook. It is an original series featuring artists from Walt Disney Animation Studios. It's going to start streaming on April 27th. I mean, this is so on brand for you and I because this is the exact reason why we have Disney+. Plus. It's why we do Monoreal Radio. We have such an appreciation for these people and their craft. I love that we are starting to see more of these shows. I loved the Imagineering story. And I'm, I'm glad to see that we're starting to branch out and that we're starting to get more of this behind-the-scenes stuff. This is what I live for. I have not been this excited for a show since prop culture. I mean, I've been very excited about most of the Marvel catalog, but this is what I'm here for. And this is something that you and I had discussed before even the launch of Disney Plus because we were concerned about what happens with the DVDs becoming obsolete. Right. Uh, you know, which is part of a bigger conversation. But in this case, what we wanted to know is what do you do with all of the behind the scenes footage? What do you do with all of these making of featurettes that they do, which a lot of time, I mean, we just enjoy watching them to see the decision making process and what goes into some of our favorite films. But we use them a lot to research for the show. And we were like, what's going to happen when all these films are streaming? And you lose that. For some of the films, if you go into extras when you stream on Disney Plus, they will have the making of there. Like Encanto has a lot of them. Uh, Frozen 2 got a six part series. And when we watched Into the Unknown, I was like more of this please. And I am happy to see that we are finally getting it. I feel like they should have had a lot of these things locked and loaded for Disney Plus, the Disney Plus launch. Right. I think these should have been opening, like the Imagineering story, perfectly worth it. But I think when you're launching a streaming service and you're giving us the entire catalog of films, why wouldn't you have had series like these backing it up to show us why we love these films, to celebrate these films? So I feel like this was a long time coming and I want to see more of this. I want to see, you know series on how they do the makeup how they choose the costumes I think it's so important for and I mean maybe it's just me because this is what I have always geeked out on but I feel like for kids it is so important to see things like this and see the creative process and see how something that you may like to do as a kid can translate into a career for sure because a lot of people don't know how to connect those dots and you know when when you're talking about filmmaking, it just seems so larger than life. But to see all these different avenues that you can take within it, I think that's so important for kids to see. Now, we're excited about it, and we want to know how you feel about Sketchbook. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Verbal or your podcast platform of choice. We just gave you that social media. Don't forget we're on TikTok as well at Monoreal Radio. And for links to everything related to the show, it is always going to be online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.